Welcome back, everybody, to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, my co-hostess, Victoria Monday. And down in the chat room, quarantine ghosts haunting the chat. We have fantastic guests with us tonight. Jim Penniston from the Rendlesham Forest incident has returned. We had a, a fantastic show with him earlier this year. Really got kind of into uh, you know everything that happened uh, that particular evening that he witnessed this whatever it was out there. Uh, we're going to get a little bit more into that. Uh, but we're going to get more into that question there. What exactly this thing may have been. Uh, Jim, fantastic to have you back and welcome. Yeah, it's nice to be here, Rick. Or Mike. Sorry. <laughs> it's the last name. I get it. Rick Secker. I've oh. been called Rick my entire life. <laughs> no, I really didn't mean that. That's not a joke. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So okay. I have your book here, uh, The Rendlesham Enigma, which I do have a link down in the uh, description of the chat room here on um, the YouTube channel. Uh, Rendlesham Enigma. It's a big book, very, very detailed. And we talked a lot about that uh, last time, and I hadn't gotten through it all because I shipping was slow at the time. Just got the book like a week beforehand. And it's a big book, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of detail in it. So. I didn't want to leave nothing out. <laughs> no, I wanted it to be in, in, you know definitive. So, uh, no, that's what happened. Uh, we, I tell you what, originally it was going to be a thousand pages. Oh wow! Wow! wow. I know. I know. <laughs> That that it's already what almost seven hundred pages. Yeah, and of that, the three hundred pages of uh, chapter endnotes. Mm -hmm. uh, if you see how small the print is on the endnotes, it's because we had to do that. I mean, uh, keep it down to around seven hundred pages. Yeah, absolutely. And this is only book one, the timeline. So there's more to come after this, which is going to be absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, now, last time we covered a lot of what, about what happened uh, that first night that you were out there. I don't want to rehash all of that. Um, but I do kind of want to start with, because um, getting deeper and deeper into the book, uh, it was very, very apparent that uh, there was a, a lot of... Um, misinformation disinformation going around as well a, a lot of stories people who weren't even there coming up with their own tales about what happened and it seems like this confused the community for a, a number of years decades and it seems to me your book really clears up uh, a lot of that with with all the information that's in there right that was the uh, uh the original intent you know the uh, air force is to go ahead and uh, uh Put out you know containment story and it worked uh as as you can see with all this disinformation that yeah. came out uh, some things fell into place i mean uh monroe Navos uh from disaster preparedness uh, went out the morning after and check you know by base commander's orders to check out the site uh and to investigate he did spent all day out there then went back in to uh woodbridge that night met with uh, Colonel Conrad again, went back out there with Colonel Hall and uh, continued it. But the whole thing was, is they wanted the first night to go away. So mm -hmm. it was a golden opportunity with the third night with, uh, you know, uh, lights in the skies, you know, being uh, reported. And uh, so it worked out really well. The other thing is uh, some of the, we even had books that were written uh, on the containment story, mm -hmm. uh, which I found uh, fascinating over the years. Yeah, but they were actually pawned off as if it was the true story and as if there was only one night and that happened to be the third night. That's right. And, you know, and the other thing is, uh, uh, well, I did a lot of documentaries, but let's face it, they have one mission in mind, and it's not the truth. They want to sell the documentary to you know the production company does right. and all that stuff i don't fault them for it but what happens is the uh, uh, best part of a testimony uh, you know is on the cutting room floor so that's what it usually happened at all those documentaries and stuff i thought was great i'm finally set it it's going to go out and they go off to some mundane stuff that doesn't really make any difference to me <laughs> right so that's that's just not all the documentaries. Um, there's a there's a couple that were okay, you know, not bad. 
you know, 80% true, 75% true. That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> Compared to some of them, but... Yeah, yeah. some were just terrible. Yeah, you know what? The first one I did, I did uh, Colonel Hall. He had been retired a year or two from the service, and I was retired a year. He calls me up, and he wants to put out one of these... We have one of these people who's doing the disinformation uh, on the force incident, and he says... Hey, got a chance to do a documentary in England, and he says we can set it straight. And oh, I don't know about that. You know, besides, I have to go to England, and uh, nothing against England. Anybody's out there living, I mean, <laughs> just a long trip. And uh, I thought at that time I had a full-time job and working, you know. And uh, anyway, we went, and uh, I found uh, I had enlightenment about documentaries. I mean, there I had my notebook. They didn't care about it. The storyboards were already written. That's what the producer told yeah. me. Okay. All right. Uh, then the other thing, uh, they're saying, well, how big was it? And I said, well, it's about nine feet by nine feet. And I says, about six and a half feet tall. And he says, oh, he says, you can't say that on TV. Uh, okay. Why not? He says, well, they got to be able to relate to it. Okay. And he goes, it's the size of the tank. I'll tell you right now, I've never seen a tank in my life, okay? And uh, <laughs> so, okay, so I found myself during that first documentary, you know, changing to adapt to that documentary. And I went, you know what? I'm not going to do that no more. And I did. Mm -hmm. I just stopped. So what they stopped doing is I guess they just cut out the parts they didn't like. And <laughs> that's where some of the disinformation came from. That's creative and, editing. That's all. Um, have you yes, that's what they call it. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Um, have you seen the sculpture that they've made that's out there now? Yes, uh, it, I got is, a... Oh, yeah, I do have a photo of that. It, is that what it really looked like? Well, it's not bad. Uh, it was that size? I mean, because that looks... Uh, small. It's about that size. The size is about right. I tell you what, I got a whole... Um, the forestry service got a hold of me. I can't remember when it was. It was quite a long time ago. And they says, can you give us a hand on this? And so I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll provide you some sketches. And uh, I says, uh, and I can also give you the uh, symbols and that that were on the side of it and where they were at. So I did. And they, they said, well, we can do it. We'll get the size about right. He says, but the, the sheet metal guy can't make it, you know, ergodynamic right. like, like it was. If I they says, only okay. <laughs> I said, yeah, okay. And but they did get the symbols and they did put them on it. So it's not it's not bad. I mean, I think the worst thing the forest uh, forestry service did is they created the UFO trail, which is not the trail. I saw so, that today. There's like hiking trails now. There's a four mile and a ten mile, and you can go on these hikes. And <laughs> yeah, they did it out of convenience because they already had trails there. And, yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't care. It's you know the event did happen in Reynolds right. Forest, so you know it's close enough. Why not? <laughs> that's been my problem, I think, over the years. I, you know, like stuff like that don't make any difference to me. So I go, yeah, that's close enough. It's just like the <laughs> first time they asked me about you know how many pages of binary were there in the notebook. Because I don't know, 15, 20, 30, I don't know. You know, I didn't care. Right. It's not important to me. But it turns out it's important to everybody else. And later I realized that I had to go ahead and count them <laughs> yeah those those pages <laughs> no yeah. uh no we were doing a film shoot i think back in 12 or 13 uh in rockford illinois and uh we had burles there uh, a couple other people and uh he says you, we have to sit there and count those right now he says know exactly how many there's in there i said why he says because people want to know i says okay one two three four sixteen Hmm. I guess okay. that's that's still a lot of pages of, <laughs> well, of binary. It's a small, it's a small notebook. Yeah, I mean, it was only you know. I uh, I read something earlier today that said that once you wrote it all out, you felt so much better and you were able to sleep. Um, I guess you got it out of your system. Do you remember it? Um, could you like say, well, page twelve was, and rattle it off, or no? Once I can't you wrote do it down? that. No, I can't do that by page. <laughs> well, okay, you know, but I mean, but do you still remember it, or is it? Uh, I. Right now I can see him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I had someone ask me, uh, I think I could write him down. Yeah. And uh, he says, well, why don't you try writing him down? I go, okay. So I tried and, it, you know, it, I still have a lot of trauma from it. So right. I stopped. Yeah. 
uh, there's certain things I can do. I'm doing a lot better. Like I'm doing podcasts and I'm doing documentaries and I wrote a book. I tell you the writing of the book was like therapy. Okay. That oh, helped yeah. a lot. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what are so the remarks? The answer the, is the answer, Victoria is <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. But, uh, if I attempted, I, 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 I could, I think. You know, when I was little, my mom used to take a, one piece of the puzzle when we would put a puzzle together and keep it so she could put the last piece in there. Mm -hmm. I think about doing that, just taking one page out and say, wow, I don't know what it means. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> no, but that's a nice story. <laughs> Next time, you know. <laughs> so uh, something I wanted to ask you, Jim, it's... Um, going back in the book and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here because uh, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but uh, you had said something in there about that as a society, we have a propensity to either uh, withhold information or, you know, serve out disinformation that actually impedes our own uh, progress or evolution as a society. Why is it you think we do that? I don't know. I, I, it might be something that's, you know, it's embedded in us, you know, in our cerebral cortex. I don't know. <laughs> we seem to be our, that's our nature. Um, I think it's part, part of it's for, you want to protect yourself too, you know. Uh, you'll go so far, but you're not going to go so far to expose yourself to getting you know, violently hurt or something like that. Right. But in, in this case, with what you experienced and what happened out there in the forest, what do you think they might be trying to protect us from? Oh, I, oh them? Them. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, yeah. uh, I don't think it's got anything to do with us. I think it's got to do with something with them in the future. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it has anything. Well, just... Does that have something to do with us? I guess technically that would if you use that premise. Uh, uh, some of the uh, uh, impressions or communications that were exposed in the uh, uh, hypnosis uh, session by my doctor in 94 after I was out uh, went into all that kind of stuff that uh, it's like they were trying to uh, change uh, events in the future. And I don't know how that could ever happen by coming to Rendlesham Forest that night. I mean, I, I'm not sure what the, how that could do anything in the future. Right. I, I, um, well, unless it's the binary, I, I mm -hmm. don't know. Yeah. If, if I recall uh, in your hypnosis, it, it, there was something in there about uh, the chromosomes and they were coming back and, and trying to get yeah. some chromosomes. And yeah, it, it'd be unclear as to what exactly they would need them for, but it sounded like that there was some sort of uh, trouble with, um, or with the future culture. Yeah. Or some, something. I hate to say that because it sounds grim. Right. Uh, well, but uh, the Hopi know. said, you know, we're the ones, what was it? Uh, we're the ones we're looking for, or we're the ones we're waiting for, or we're waiting for us, or something like that. Um, like something is going to happen, and we have to come back and save ourselves, or create a new timeline. Yes, or repair what damage we've done in the past you know, mm -hmm. to make it better. Yeah, yeah, that's that. We have uh, you know some theories on that. I mean. To sit there and give concrete information this is a fact i can't do that right not yet right so <laughs> well i wish i wish i could <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know hmm. so a lot well, of the, maybe not i don't know yeah yeah <laughs> now, a lot of the disinformation and it's still pretty prevalent out there because i call this the um you know the rendlesham forest ufo incident and, you know a lot of people still go down the route of extraterrestrials but um this seems to be a, a time device, some sort of time machine, at least. And it, it seems like that's, that's what I'm getting a lot from, from your book. Uh, some kind of multidimensional device. Um, Hollywood calls it time travel. That is an interdimensional travel. Uh, that's the impressions, the communication that I had from uh, my, my 45 minutes with the craft. So... It's not like I was trying to keep a secret or anything about mm -hmm. it, because why? Why have any communication at all? You know. Uh, 
So, but that's the communication I had from it. And uh, so some type of dimensional uh, travel, because uh, we don't, you know, one of our theories is that uh, uh, the corporeal life, human beings can't survive the interdimensional travel. So they don't, they, don't, they send drones back. Or uh, another theory we have, they send back, you know, um, some type of cyborg thing like that that's not human, but you know, mechanical that, and you can call them whatever you want, maybe race or whatever. And one of the interesting things though about Rendlesham is even from the time of de being debriefed and everything, I never used to turn UFO. I've never uh, uh, voluntarily ever used it. I said, I think I had a documentary to force me into it. But uh, no, it's not a UFO. A UFO is an unidentified flying object. This, this craft had landed, uh, was on the ground 45 minutes and it took off. I mean, that's not a UFO. That's, that is a craft of unknown origin. Yeah, it came and delivered a message and left, basically. Yes. So, um, can I ask you about the 45 minutes you said? Um, did you lose 45 minutes of time? Or your watch was 45 minutes off? Was that because what? you were in the sphere of influence? Yeah, yeah, okay. Right. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> you've read the book. Uh -huh. yeah? Well, parts. <laughs> okay. No, the, uh, the 45 minutes, I had an electric watch at time. Mm -hmm. And so I was, even for the time, even when I came back to central security control and I see the watches off 45 minutes from the, you know, the control center clocks. I just figured it stopped, you know, because of the electrical, uh, static electricity, things mm -hmm. like that. And then, and then this, this phenomenon that was going inside the sphere of influence was right. caused it to stop. Uh, so I have deducted that it's 45 minutes is how, how long I've been there. But I'll tell you what, uh, in, for me, in real time, it was just a matter of minutes. I mean, five, ten minutes, maybe. Okay, that's it wasn't first, very long. That's the first part of my question. <laughs> okay, we had a guest on a few weeks ago who um, completed some equations Einstein started. And he was talking about, um, and I forgot what it's called, the field theory? I think it's what it was called. Anyway, Un Unified uh, field theory. That's it. Um, and he was saying that the further you get away from the center of gravity, time stops. Do you think perhaps the craft that came back had to somehow repel gravity to get back in time? And that would cause your watch to stop? Either that or the electrical field, uh, I don't know. Some of the research, uh, here's some of the facts. When, it, when uh, there was also the absence of sound uh, around the craft, Okay, because I was going to ask about that too. <laughs> and then when the craft did take off, and it seemed like it was just it just disappeared, it was gone. Mm -hmm. But I re later realized that when I seen it, you know, over the Cape Green area, uh, it just was that was going off slow, like three, four hundred miles an hour. So I think what we had over Rendlesham is that it was just uh, leaving in it you know, at a speed of a bullet or something like that, right. which would appear to be a blinking of an eye. But you, you would, any craft that size, you would have a sonic boom from them. Okay. And, was there, any, I'm and there wasn't no there displacement wasn't a, of air. Nothing. No displacement of air. Um, um, uh, yeah. Kind of ghostly. It just went up and left. Maybe. Well, no, not really. It went to the tree canopy and it, then took off. Yeah. <laughs> Stayed there momentarily, took a little bit of a right turn and gone. Okay. So, uh, no, there's no ghostly. This means solid I mean, object. Like, <laughs> quietly, stealthily. Oh, uh, there it was quiet because yeah. there's no noise. Uh, even, 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 uh, you know, there was no intakes, there was no exhaust. Uh, uh, whatever type of pulsion or it was using, it could very well have been something like you just said with gravity. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, because another thing I was wondering about, if I may, um, you said it was sitting on beams of light. Could that have been some sort of like of energy field? You know, when you put magnets together and it, it you kind of repulse or it 
makes that gravitational field that you can't get any closer because it made Im imprints in the ground, right? Uh, yeah, it could have. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the technology, I know it wasn't light. I mean, right. it appears okay. to be light, but there's some type of technology that right. can actually hold an object up and eventually uh, lift it up, you know, to treetop level. Uh, I, okay. Uh, going back to, um, I'll tell you what, there's uh, lots of questions you can ask about the incident itself. Mm -hmm. um, I can't tell you a lot for certain, okay? But I can tell you everything it wasn't. I can do that for sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. I can do that for sure. So if, uh, you know, I can sit there. We've, we've you know, used um, uh, theoretical um, uh, ideas and stuff like that of, how, you know, what would make sense. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the things you're talking about was one of them when we talked about. Okay. Uh, but do I know it for sure? No. Who knows? Okay, I have one last question, then I'll be quiet. Oh, you're fine, yes. Victoria. Go ahead, ask your questions. <laughs> um, in a four, few weeks, it's going to be 40 years. What are you going to do? Are you going to celebrate? <laughs> no, I'm going to try to get through it. Uh, okay. Every time, I tell you, oh, I'll share this. Okay. Uh, you know, the PTSD part is uh, cyclic. It's terrible around Christmas time. Mm -hmm. uh, that means I don't have no sleep. I'm lucky to get mm -hmm. one or two hours of sleep a night. It's uh, usually pretty uh, traumatic okay. for me. Uh, not, not a good, not a good. No, it's okay. It's <laughs> just that's me. I mean, yeah, just not a good experience for me. Um, and uh, but uh, I'll get through it. Forty years uh, uh, seems like yesterday. Well, actually, it seems like the other night. That's when I dreamed about it. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so it doesn't seem that long ago to me. Not when you're uh, reliving it all the time, you right? Know? So, uh, but believe me, I understand the excitement of the 40th anniversary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've been asked, uh, oh my, well, a lot of people, a lot of production companies, uh, uh, TV shows, whatever, uh, to do something for a 40th anniversary. And I'm just saying, no, I'm wow. not going to do it. Okay. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I just, no, I'm yeah. not going to do nothing like that. Uh, they were going to have a, before, uh, the Chinese virus, they were going to go have uh, uh, us have something around December over in the UK where we'd all get together. And I says, leave me out of it. I don't want nothing to do with it. So it's not that, you know, I just, it's just not for me. You know, yeah, I mean, you've, we've been through a lot with this. You know, mm -hmm. a, a lot of people are sensationalizing it, of course. And you know, there are you know newer people these days, a younger crowd that's coming across this story, and it's new to them. So to them, it's very sensational. But you went through a lot of trauma with this, and I don't think people quite understand that. Yeah, it started. It started almost immediately. I mean, with the uh, buying or downloaded home and. Uh, then it wasn't too bad in the servers, I guess, because I was, you know, busy. Yeah. Um, and then we couldn't talk about it. Uh, it was, you know, top secret. Uh, then I retired uh, 13 years after the incident. And uh, I really think one of the things, one of the triggers where I started having bad dreams and stuff like that was actually going over to England doing that first documentary. I think that was a, I think mm -hmm. that was a mistake. Um, later I find out that with PTSD, you need to confront the triggers and all that stuff. I've done that recently in the last five years. So it makes it easier. I'm on medication at night, uh, that, uh, I don't know, it's an alpha blocker or something like that. And it just sort of shuts off you from dreaming. Mm -hmm. Uh, you still dream, but I'll tell you what, you're not waking up in sweats or stuff like that. Right. You know. Yeah, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. Yeah. It's just a, a situation that happened. I don't want to, the writings of, of the books help. Uh, uh, there are certain things that I would avoid in podcasts and that when talking, I just go ahead and float over them. Sure. Uh, so I think that adds to some of the disinformation. It could be looked at it that way when I don't want to talk about something. As years went by, I got more comfortable talking about it. Uh, if that's 
I don't know if that's a good word to use comfortable. Uh, anyway, I, I got more used to it. Right. And, um, you know, the writing of the first book that helped. And then of course this one here was pure therapy for me writing everything down. Um, I did use a little bit of uh, the hypnosis session for my doctor on um, conversation in that. Mm -hmm. So the conversation in that book, like what I was thinking about burls or yeah. <laughs> things like that, that is directly from my hypnosis. And, you know, when I heard that, I went, oh, yeah, I said that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, sometimes the truth is harsh and sometimes it's unsettling. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't have anything against anybody. Right. You know, um, it's just that that's the truth. I think that's what I wanted with this book. Uh, uh, at least I told my co-author this. This is the thing I wanted is to be able to um, uh, present every fact there is about it, everything I know about it, uh, stuff I have kept close to, close to the vest, things I never talked about. And I said, I want to make it definitive so people can go ahead and look at the facts and then make up their own mind, whatever it is at the, at the end of the book. That's what I wanted them to do. And uh, I'm not trying to sell them on an idea, trying to uh, suggest ideas. I'm telling you what I, what happened and what my thoughts yeah. were. So, yeah, and I think that know. is something that's really uh, fantastic about this book is that, you know, it, one of the reasons it is so, you know, massive and extensive is, you know, you break down, you know, you and your co-author, you know, here's what this person said, and here's what they said at this point in time, and here's what they said again at this point in time, and all these stories that you'll know, have little details that are different here and there, and you, know, you make of it what you will. You don't actually, um, you know, force, you know, your your own um, opinion on that. You're just stating this is what they said multiple times, and they didn't all quite line up. You know, and here's what I experienced. You know, comparing to what others yeah. had said and, you know, make up your own mind. Yeah, I think, Mike, if you and I had, uh, we were in a place and we observed a crime, a robbery, I think we'd come up with 90% of the same retelling that would happen mm -hmm. as eyewitnesses, okay? There's that other 10% just, I don't know, it's the way human beings are, okay? Yeah. There's four of us, we get that one little 10% difference with all of us. Uh, but it's just like with uh, Monroe Nevels, whose story has never changed. I mm -hmm. looked at a documentary from oh, 30 years ago when I was writing, helping or writing the book. Monroe Nevels wrote his own chapter. And um, in there, it matches up with 90% of what Colonel Halt did. But, you know, like Colonel Halt didn't know that uh, Colonel Conrad in, that morning after we came in ordered, you know, Monroe Nevels out there to investigate it. Right. Can you blame the, you know, the base commander? He wants to know, is there anything to this? What's going on? You know, uh, is there any residual evidence? Uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff he was tasked with. And fortunately, uh, Monroe being a, uh, a Marine, he was in prior service as a Marine. He is a, uh, he is a detailed guy. And, uh, you know, so he took uh, detailed uh, observations of what was going on. And it varied about, you know, 90% was the same as what, you know, Colonel Halt was talking about. Uh, but act actually out there, uh, you know, beside each other, that stayed about 95%, you know, the mm -hmm. same. It's just the telling's a little different. Right, you right. Know. So we do have some questions coming in from the chat room. I do want to get to uh, some of these here, but also for our podcast listeners uh, later on this week, uh, when this plays on KGRARadio.com, we do want to thank those that are listening to KGRARadio.com. Uh, from Judy Wilson, she was wondering uh, if it affected your body being uh, in that sphere of influence for about 45 minutes. Uh, I noticed the uh, effects... Uh as I entered it, uh, the, you know, the, the um, labored movements and that, uh, the static electricity and face, skin, hair, mm -hmm. uh, the void of sound, but uh, all them, uh, except for the uh, sound, uh, dissipated, okay, uh, as, I, as I examined the craft. Um, 
So that was the only uh, uh, physical uh, uh, influence I had at that time with, with being in there uh, uh, outside of when it took off relief, you know, I was pretty relieved. Mm-hmm. I was glad to see it go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. I hope, you know, I don't know. Did I answer? Uh, I think that answered it just fine. Uh, <laughs> another another question here out of the chat. Uh, Pungai, Fungai, I know you answered this the last time we had you on, but, you know, what the craft felt like. I think you said it just felt like metal. Yeah, it was metal, but uh, I used the term it uh, looked like black glass. That's mm-hmm. to describe the visual of it. But it felt like metal of some sort. Uh, it wasn't aircraft skin like I, you know, was used to, uh, you know, being in the Air Force and that. Uh, it was l- no rivets. It was no seams. Uh, all that was perfectly smooth except for the area that where the symbols were at. And then that felt more like uh, sandpaper, like it was etched in there. Yeah, you said they were, they were raised a bit. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a little bit uh, etching. Mm-hmm. Did they re- uh, I'm sorry. Did they repeat it all, or was it just one set of symbols? Oh, you had, you had five of them. Yeah, there's five of them, and they were about three feet wide. And there's a the sixth mm-hmm. one was a triangular one that was on. It's on the cover of the book. All right, it's on the cover. I'll bring that up here yeah. real quick. So these are the symbols here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, and. Uh, and uh, if, if, if the cover of the book, if you would take it and just stretch out the bottom a little bit more, you can see how, exactly how it looked. And that's the part that was uh, uh, felt like coarse, like sandpaper, like mm-hmm. they were etched in there. Uh, mm. Now, on this model that they've put out there, are, are those mm-hmm. symbols, were they placed in the right spot there, or is this just the artist's interpretation? Uh, well, I sent them in the right order. Uh, I don't know. I can't really. I can't really see it. Um, did, did, can you tell me if they match the cover? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I can't tell from this photo. I, no, I don't. I don't know if you've seen a, a closer photo or anything like that. So. No. Uh, no. They. I sent the stuff, and they said they were going to make it. And then I think about eight years later, I think I as somebody that read the, you know, one of our books. Uh, mm-hmm sent me a picture and that's the only way I've seen it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, and then we have, uh, another one here from, uh, Andrea. Uh, she was wondering if it looked like any military craft that we have these days. No, uh, the technology can't be replicated yet. Uh, one of the things that I was fortunate to uh, have the experience prior to that incident, I was stationed at Offutt Air Force Base, Nebraska, SAC headquarters at the time. And I was part of the elite guard, which was bodyguards and we, for the general officers and, we, uh, and other people, important people. And uh, we also guarded the command post, which was five stories down on the ground. But we also had the opportunity to uh, provide security for our R&D, uh, research and development, uh, uh, briefings and that for the general staff and st- things like that. And there was never anything with the technology that this had uh, in any of those briefings. And they were projected 50 years ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, no. And there still is nothing. Uh, one of the, uh, yeah, there's still nothing like it. Uh, I mean, engines have to have intakes, they got to have exhaust. Um, they got to have flaps. They got to have, uh, uh, well, they got to have some type of landing gear. They don't work on light. And, uh, you know, they got to make noise and they got the air displacement. And so it's void of all those. And all our air, air aircraft and drones today have that. Right. Yeah, our, our, our drones are quite loud, actually. <laughs> Yeah, these are not the little ones you buy at uh, you know the, at a Walmart. <laughs> mm-hmm. And even those that you buy at Walmart sound like a like a nest of bees. So <laughs> right, yeah, these these drones look like planes, uh, small planes. I mean, but the, yeah, they're yeah they're yeah they're very loud in that. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, the technology can't be replicated today. 
uh, I think, uh, well, it'd be pretty scary if they had the technology to have aircraft that could go from zero to say 4,000 miles an hour without uh, air displacement, that would be a, that would be a highly militarized uh, find yeah, to have yeah, that. I absolutely. Mean, well, do you think this was uh, more like anti-gravity? You know, that's uh, our consensus on, our, on some of the theory, theories that we have is that it's the only thing it can be. Um, one of the um, uh, physicists that agrees with us uh, is uh, Dr. Jack Safari. Uh, he's based out of Stanford at one time. I think he's retired now. Uh, San Francisco area, and he believes that. Uh, I mean, in fact, he'll go through all the equations of it. He's <laughs> I've got so much sense to me. Yeah, I, you know, I can't do algebra, and uh, this guy just sends all this formula stuff. Because this is why, you know, this supports what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So he 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 understands it. I just don't understand it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, people send me stuff like that, uh, the in support of stuff, and mm -hmm. you know, I'm not a I'm not a mechanical engineer or anything like that. I mean, you know, my my background is uh, criminal justice. <laughs> it's right, just, right, uh, security, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, this is book one timeline. What do we expect for book two from you? It's all on Gary. Gary's going to take his. Um, <laughs> it is. Uh, the, we, I designed the first book that, as book one. Just to let you know, book one, Rendlesham mm -hmm. Enigma, is definitive book on the Rendlesham Forest incident. Now, Gary's going to go ahead and uh, write about his discoveries, his theories, and his research on what the binary code means and what it's for uh and uh that's gonna it's a lengthy process i'm sure it's gonna take him a while to do that he's been writing it for uh, quite a while now okay uh, any any theories that have been postulated that you can um reveal to us here well it reinforces uh uh even uh to a harder degree uh the the interdimensional travel mm -hmm. time travel it does there's, there's no question that uh, I don't think there's any question that it's, uh, you know, it's us from the future. Um, I just can't prove it yet. Right. And uh, hopefully Gary will have that research done where he can be able to do that. Right now he's got, uh, uh, you know, by taking the uh, coordinates uh, from around the world uh, that were on the uh, binary code, yeah, there's stuff that's right. you know down to you know one inch on global scale, and uh, he uh, believes uh, one of his theories is that he believes that they actually point out to a hidden chamber in Giza, and uh, he had one of his uh, thoughts on that are is that he thinks it will have uh, information contained in that chamber. That will oh, interesting. Yeah, so I don't want to. I don't want to steal his his No, that's research. fine. That's but that's really uh, interesting because no, they a have, lot of the stuff we're yeah. yeah, a lot of the stuff we're talking about uh, on this mic is you know uh, personal skypes back and mm -hmm. forth, and then I, and I'm not sure what he's putting in the book. I think that's going to be some of it. Okay. Uh, uh, matter of fact, it's important because uh, uh, it uh, well. The math won't, I tell you, with the stuff he sent me so far, the math doesn't lie. I mean, it's it's math. I mean, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it just doesn't lie. It doesn't have feelings or it doesn't have, you know, uh, someone projecting a thought with it. I mean, it's math. Yeah, you crunch the numbers and this is what you get. That's right. Yeah. That's I, right. I think my statistics class hated me, so I don't know. I, I can't <laughs> oh, yeah. That. So your your mind's geared for all that. Mine is not, oh. as you can tell. No, I, I, I'm out of that class. But oh. uh, is Gary the one that found the code within the code? Yes, he had. Uh, it was Gary. Okay. Uh, yeah. I tell you what, it was pretty interesting how that stuff happened because we we're just getting finished on writing, uh, you know, the Reynolds from uh, Enigma. Mm -hmm. And. Um, stuff he would over the last couple of years he'd send me uh something or we we'd actually, we actually spent about 20 to 30 hours a week on skype writing the book by the way oh that's so cool yeah <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah and 
when you send me a piece of information about that, I, I would have a wow factor every time you did that. And I said, my God, I said, that's what is, that's what, yeah. are, what are the chances of that happening? Wow. You know? But somewhere around 50, 60, 70 times of stuff's being sent and I was going, wow. I says, you know, Gary, this, this seems like it might be by design. And he mm -hmm. says, exactly. He says, that's my thoughts too. So it's all connected. It's all connected. Did you hear that, Mike? Yeah, I heard that. that <laughs> sounds like connected, connected universe to me. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, JD Bambera has uh, a question down here out of the chat room. Have you seen anything like this in film or TV? Ooh. There's parts of the, of what happened at Revolution in some movies. Interstellar, for example. Yeah. yeah. The binary. Um, Oh, I think I might be time travel too, wouldn't it? Yeah, there was. <laughs> <laughs> there might be in there too. Interdimensional. The, the yeah. interdimensional stuff is there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Uh, I know the ancient aliens. Uh, uh, we did a, a few shows with them. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, as a matter of fact, Kim Sharon, she's the uh, producer at Prometheus Pictures. Uh, I met with her last summer in July. Uh, gave her a book and I says, here, you got future shows to work on. <laughs> and she agreed, you know, yeah. so, so yeah, parts of, parts of them have been in, in already, even in ancient mm -hmm. aliens, even ones we weren't participating in. So yeah, they're, they're yeah, they're just, uh, it's really odd to, to see that on a, a show when you're watching you. Hmm. Oh, they must have seen that and must have read a book. They must have read the book about it or something, you know what right. I mean? I don't know how uh, how writers uh, are in Hollywood to get that creative anyway. I guess mm -hmm. they have to look at everything to do that. So, well, yeah, so the answer is yes, I've seen some of that in uh, in, uh, in in productions. Uh, mm -hmm. Have I seen the exact craft? No. No, they haven't replicated that. But no, let me ask no, you. They will. I'm sure they will. Oh, I'm, I'm sure at some point. But let, let me ask you this: <clears throat> um, Have you seen um, you know, other? Because a, a lot of these reports and, and different phenomena seem to be very related. Have you seen um, other reports from around the world? You know, maybe before years or after years that seem to be related or similar to what happened to you? Okay. Um, yes. I, uh, one of the things about writing books and that, and, and you, you know, your name's somewhat known, so you, they find you on the internet and that. And every once in a while, I get a case like that, that uh, stuff I hadn't uh, publicly uh, put out before, mm -hmm. and they have parted with their sighting, uh, you know. That was, you know, directly corresponds to what I observed with Rendlesham, and uh, that's always the tip of the iceberg with it. With when I get that stuff in, mm -hmm. when I start asking more questions, it gets more, uh, you know, where we're both me and the other person saying, "Okay, um, I don't know what it is." And they seem shocked that I don't know what it is. So I says, <laughs> "I don't know what it is, but I know one thing." It's unexplained. Yeah. Okay, we know that for sure. Um, there's, you know, there's some things that are really obvious to happen uh, because people send me all kinds of pictures. All oh, pictures, sure, videos, I bet. Uh, and most of them are all very easily explained as mm -hmm. natural phenomena or human phenomena, airplanes. The the most recent one, I must have got 50 uh, videos on it uh, of the blimp in New Jersey. I got, matter of fact, this guy in uh, uh, Holland sends it to me. I go, oh, that's a blimp. And he, he, said, you know, he says, that's instantaneous. He says, you look at it. I said, that's all it took. He says, the first few seconds, you can see, he says, it's a blimp. And he says, yeah, but everybody's stopping. I said, well, they don't know what they're looking at. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they or else they just have wishful thinkers that want to see something. Yeah. It's a, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, 
But there are people out there that have reported cases to me. We have one in South America that stands out uh, in Peru. The guy's hmm. a, a pilot. Uh, I've known him personally now for about 15 years. Story fascinating. The other one that uh, is uh, unexplainable and has great nose cam footage that hasn't been released yet is uh, General Jafari of the Iranian Air Force. I think uh, that's a pretty big incident. And, Interesting. Uh, also, yeah, that's one I can't explain. The one with General DeBauer, the Belgian Wave, uh, I, he can't explain it, I can't explain it. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have things like that. Uh, it's but 99% of them, you know, that you can, you can say, well, this is what it is, or this is what I think it is. Um, and uh, I have a friend that works at JPL. I don't want to okay. go too much into that. She's worked there for years. Mm -hmm. And I have another friend that works at um, the Lucas Labs for uh, like George Lucas Star Wars. Okay, so, yeah, sure. So if I find something I really don't know, I send it <laughs> to those guys. And, you know, if I sort of think it's going to be fake, which most of them are, and I mean, all of them have been so far, by the way, uh, except one, um, Lucas will say, oh, no, that's CGI. You know, they, mm -hmm. they explain. They, yeah, they said, no, 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 it's, that's obvious. Uh, but the one that he's, they said wasn't CGI, he says it looks actual. That's the one I sent to my friend at JPL. She had it for six months. And society in northern Wisconsin, and um, by somebody else that had took video of that, and uh, she she calls me back. She says, "You know, we can't explain it. We don't know what it is." She says, "But here's the interesting thing, Jim. Here, I'm going to send you photographs of the same object in Italy, Russia, and South America." Oh wow! Wow! She said, "I went." <laughs> yeah, she sends that back. So I get a hold of this person that's. Give me an original <coughs> film to look at. And I says, yeah, what you got there is a bona fide real UFO. Good luck. I said, we can't explain it. So she said, I don't know what you're going to do with that, but <laughs> <laughs> there you are. You know, so we do get those every once in a while. Do you think there's more activity right now or we're just looking for it more and we can document it more? Uh, the reason there's more activity is because we have, for example, let's just talk uh, Creech Air Force Base, Arizona. That sits northwest of uh, Phoenix. Every month, they fly 30,000 drone missions <laughs> out of there every month. Yeah. They also train uh, our allies from the Brit British and that there on drones and how to fly them. The Marshal Service. Uh, the um, ICE, all of them have drones flown out of there. Mm -hmm. So just that one area, you're probably talking thirty to 40,000 drone missions a month. Yeah. Okay. I lived in Scottsdale, and you okay. could call when they were coming. It was just like, oh, my God, did you see that? <laughs> they were just everywhere. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, you know, they're, they don't, uh, not all of them have blinking lights. I mean, no. <laughs> no. Some are very quiet too. <laughs> Some are very quiet, mm -hmm. but to the untrained observer, it's it's a UFO. You don't know what it is. I mean, yeah, I've seen those. They yeah. were shaped like chevrons, just going over the you know the 101, yeah. and nobody else was looking but me. But they were quiet. Yeah. They were just going. <laughs> yeah, there you are. I mean, uh, and those are those are hard to explain, especially if they're at night or something like that. You know. Mm -hmm. So does that explain the Phoenix lights? Oh. <laughs> tell you what, I, I, I've met... Uh, Linda uh, Mooton Howe has a good theory. <laughs> no, not, not with her. <laughs> oh, no, I met her. No. I, I met her right after that. No, uh, Linda, not, no, the other, uh, the lady that wrote the book, Kaitel, I think her name is, she wrote books on it, Phoenix Lights. Um, I met her several times then. Okay. Read her books. Um Seems uh, I know what I saw had the uh, documentary had the uh, stuff on the Phoenix light. Um, there's a lot of witnesses, mm -hmm. and I'm just not going to discount all those witnesses. Uh, and they're from different vantage points, which is that's almost impossible. That'd be impossible. That's a little tougher. Yeah, 
You, you know what the cool uh, connection is there? I don't know. If they were over the Australia mountains. That means um, stars. Hmm. I don't. I don't know. I'm just going by what I. No, that's that's yeah, that's what they always called it, the Star Mountain. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and uh, and uh, you know, the uh, this author of things like I wish I could remember her name, Kaitel, I think is her last name. And uh, you know, she's a she's a doctor, a medical doctor, and this is what she's she retired and she does this for a living. And she's done some pretty nice work and good research. And she's not a UFO opportunist or entertainer, okay? She's actually a researcher. Oh, very good. Very good. So a question here from uh, Robert Hanna, and I'll kind of rephrase this a little bit. uh, Because you're saying that it wasn't actually operated or piloted by somebody, but um, how do you think it was actually uh, piloted to where you saw it? Well, it was it was intelligent control because it it maneuvered, mm-hmm. okay. So um, I don't know. Uh, I know all I know is that there was nothing else around. I mean, it had to be done remotely. Uh, I either that or there, it's it was programmed. I don't I don't know the answer to that. Okay. No, oh, fair enough. I mean, it <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've had all these thoughts about that. Yeah. I, you know, man, is this already programmed? It's running. Yeah, I think that's one of the big questions, doing? right? So, yeah, I mean, I, I says, or is it, uh, you know, someone sitting up, you know, at, uh, you know, uh, uh, at uh, fifty thousand feet or a hundred thousand feet, and they're remotely, you know, working? I don't see how they could do that. By the way, there's trees there, and mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it, it, it was probably more internal. That would be my, my guess of it. Uh, yeah, I don't really know the answer, though. Can I ask you a question about the binary code? You said when you received it. Um, you said after it was over, your night vision was back. So it's not like it was a bright light or anything. Do you think that was like your um, inner eye, your third eye, or you're just, you intuitively knew what the binary code was? Or a mind's eye, yeah. I mean, uh, it, uh, it wasn't techno- physical. No. no, the technology wasn't okay. light. That's obvious, or else you right. wouldn't have known night vision. So, uh, uh, in retrospect, uh, I have been referring to that as the communication. So, and like whatever, whatever kind of technology it was, it communicated. Okay. And, uh, but it didn't do it by pen or paper. <laughs> yeah. You know, it didn't no. do it by radio. <laughs> yeah. No 16 pages. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I totally get that. Got any more questions from your list, uh, <laughs> Victoria? I do, but I don't know if you want me to ask a No, go ahead, Victoria. <laughs> we have a few uh, minutes left, so you may as well. Oh, geez. Yeah, you didn't get to him last time. Um, let's see. I have over That's here. why I'm wondering if you had previous... <laughs> yeah, if you had questions from last yeah, time. I... Mike just rolls his eyes and goes, oh, God, not her. No, no, keep going. <laughs> keep going. Yeah, last time, Victoria <laughs> was a guest in the chat room, but yeah. now oh. she's here as my After co-host. This. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, got, got promoted. She got promoted, yeah. Mm-hmm. In the right place at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, I've asked all those. Oh, do you still have the tapes? Or did, are, do the tapes still exist of the emergency calls? Or were they confiscated? Because they were on reel-to-reel, right? Back in those days? The, yeah, that, the, back in those days, is, I don't want to get too into too uh, dinosaur stuff like I'm TIAC, not either. <laughs> TIAC reel-to-reel tapes. Okay, I know they were picked. <laughs> those were picked up from the command post. Do they still exist? And, uh, I'm sure they do. Uh, they were picked up by uh, uh, the commander-in-chief of uh, Europe, U.S. Air Forces Europe. Mm-hmm. A four-star general came in and picked those up. So... I would well if you have a, you got a four star general, uh, they went to the Pentagon. And I tell you what, I, the reason I'm pretty sure they went to the Pentagon is because, uh, and I described this in the book too. Uh, mm-hmm. Colonel Highbush, who was my lifeline, he came in and took over as the squadron commander as a colonel versus a major, uh, Zickler, right. that was there. And um, he had read my four page handwritten, uh, 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 statement that I did down at the OSI building. 
And so if he had, if they, he had that and had access to read that, he heard the tapes. I'm pretty sure of that. Okay. So well, they're not like put away in a vault somewhere and say, oh, these never existed. No, I'm sure they're okay. still classified. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, what was interesting yeah. to me about Colonel Highbush when, um, it, it seems like oh, he, I'm glad we're talking about him because he is a, a well, was a fantastic person. I mean, yeah. he was. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sorry for his passing because it sounded like he was an, an amazing person and, you know, really, like you said, you called him his, uh, him your he lifeline. He helped me a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But it, it seemed like he may have known or, or heard about incidents like these even prior to reading your four-page uh, uh, letter as to what happened. Uh, does that seem to be the case that these incidents have been reported before? That's my impression, too, that I got from uh, Colonel Highbush, and I continued throughout the years. Uh, some of the things he told me, uh, uh, I tried to find, you know, verify. Like he said, he worked uh, security police intelligence at Pentagon. That was his prior assignment to come in there. No, there was no such organization. I mean, <laughs> not publicly. Right. Uh, so I couldn't find anything on that. Yeah, I never worked there, uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, he... Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah he had an in-depth understanding, and uh, maybe that's why he was chosen to you know become uh, you know, the squadron commander. Mm -hmm. He came out there, and uh, I had some pretty uh, uh, interesting times throughout my times in Europe afterwards. I mean, five six years after mm -hmm. even, and he was there for me on that. And uh, uh, yeah, I think he had uh, well. If you're going to go ahead and choose someone to be uh, your liaison in the Air Force, uh, I'm sure they picked someone that was aware of more things than just the Arendtian incident, I would mm -hmm. think. Yeah. Yeah, certainly so when, seems like it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Victoria. When is your, when is your audio book coming out, please? <laughs> well, I tell you what, I, I don't know if it's financially um, uh, we're able to. Uh, uh, you know, the estimates are unreal for an audio book. <laughs> Your book is three pounds. Uh, I mean, I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It, it's a big book, I yeah. <laughs> I think what we'll, what I'm trying to do, uh, trying to, it's hard uh, during this, uh, you know, with the uh, virus and all this stuff, but mm -hmm. we're trying to go ahead and put it in a second language. Oh, uh, okay. We're, yeah, we're, we're going to pick, I hate, we're leaning towards Spanish, Okay. Uh, because of the uh, South America, Spain, you know, a, lot, a lot of people speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want the people in Italy to get disappointed because I've been asked by, I think, <laughs> half the people in Italy to have it in Italian. Um, but it makes it a little bit harder to uh, uh, put in audio. Um, one of the possibilities that was presented to me, but I discounted it, is just to do uh, the chapters and not the end notes in uh, audio and that that you gotta I think you need to have the, yeah you have to have one with yeah. the other <laughs> right it just it just doesn't work no yeah, I was only joking but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not gonna come out in audio <laughs> cliff notes no no I'm looking forward to reading it if I ever have time off <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> what's interesting is that uh you know some of the people readers that have read the book and are on their sixth or seventh reading. One's on their seventh reading. Oh, wow. And they told me, so I'm still finding new things in it I missed. And I'm, okay. I said, you know, I, I can't believe that you could sit down and read that seven times. It's hard <laughs> enough writing a book. You know, uh, I mean, there's a person that's probably been, uh, you know, out of contact with uh, civilization for like months. <laughs> you know, it's, well, I don't I'm know. Not, but yeah, it, it is jam-packed with, with a lot of information. So highly recommend yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the book's not about any individual. As you can see, there's no pictures of me and Gary on there or nothing no. like that. Uh, it, we don't want to – that would just, just detract from the book to have us on there. It's about, uh, it's about the instance, it's about the binary, uh, and it's about the uniqueness of what happened out there uh, and the remnants what seems to be uh, coming in book two. And that's not a teaser. It's just that I'm stating the facts on that. So an estimated date as to when book two will be up? Well, Gary's really touchy about that. because he... <laughs> No, he's thorough. 
I mean, oh, yeah. we took uh, five years. I mean, I wrote a chapter a month and then went back and didn't like the words I used and changed it and took five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, if uh, Gary had his way on it, he probably would have been another year or two in that book. So, uh, but he's thorough, you know, what yeah. can you say? You know, That's uh, good. No. <laughs> yeah, he wants it to be right. Uh, he wants it to be, uh, uh, he wants to be able to defend it. I mean, the information is in it. I understand that. And he's, uh, I would think that he is doing the same stuff that he did with uh, uh, the end notes in uh, Rendlesham uh, Enigma. Mm -hmm. He's going to, you know, that took a lot of time, by the way. And he, he put a lot of time into it. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and you can you can tell. I mean, it is just chock full of information. Like you said, thorough is the perfect word for it. Yeah, the last thing yeah. I'd want to do is listen to a bunch of interviews for all the witnesses involved and listen to a hundred of them each. You know, I mean, I couldn't do it. <laughs> Definitely. And you know what else he also did? I'll tell you what else he did. I could never watch the hypnosis session from the psychiatrist in 94. I imagine that would be very uh, difficult for you. I, I just couldn't. I sat down yeah. many times, tried to watch. I couldn't do it. And finally, about two years ago, well, a year before the book was ready to, you know, to be finished, Gary says, you've got to be able to watch it. I said, I can't. I tried. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and uh, write everything down. He says, and I'll read it to you. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was uh, the... Hypnosis sessions were her notes of doctors. They wouldn't even do that today. They'd be afraid they'd get sued or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. One is two hours long. The other one's two hours long. So it's about yeah. four hours of uh, notes. And, you know, he did a really excellent job. So the first time I actually knew it was in that tape, uh, those tapes, is uh, probably about two years ago when Gary actually uh, – uh, transcribed the whole thing yeah. and read them to me. And we did that on Skype. It took it took hours. <laughs> okay. I imagine it took a long time. And that that chapter on uh, the hypnotic regression is really really fascinating. And the transcripts are right in there. So yeah. So you don't remember being hypnotized? Because I've been hypnotized once, and I listened to the audio recording of it, and I was like, I don't remember that. I right. don't remember that. <laughs> but that's what the psychiatrist she. Uh, made it that way wouldn't remember i'll tell you what the reason i wanted is for a sleep disorder mm -hmm. and uh uh you know then i started thinking oh no it could have been something when i was a, like child abuse or something like that and so she made sure that whatever was going to happen in that first session is i wasn't going to remember what it was and i when gary was telling me the you know about the, reading the transcript you know, oh man but here's the other thing lots of stuff that he was telling me in that transcript oh, oh yeah I knew that. Uh, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> yeah, because it's stuff I used to yeah. think was impressions when I was around the craft. Mm -hmm. um, it was actually most likely communication that was going mm -hmm. on, not just with the, uh, the the burst of light or anything. There was, there had to be constant communication. Like I knew it was a drone. I knew it wasn't manned. I mean, these are thoughts that I had. Mm -hmm. and, uh, they turned out in the, in the uh, hypnosis session. And the other thing in the hypnosis session, which was uh, amazing because uh, they tried to block the part about me being around the craft or, or you know, out down the OSI building. And uh, that's like- yeah, They did their own hypnosis on you, right? Yeah, they, uh, yeah. well, they, they so did powerful. I mean, they, yeah. <laughs> they uh well it's not like a good idea you know tell the truth <laughs> no it tells the truth it goes away i mean did they think you couldn't handle it or they just didn't want you uh, they to wanted it? to make sure everything i was saying was accurate that's what they okay. told me at the at the office i mean mm -hmm. but, uh i was sort of, sort of forced into it but i was forced into it and uh anyway the block in there she she broke it and when she did that uh then of course uh you know, everything started to make sense uh, uh, with the uh, information that uh, I already uh, experienced. Yeah, uh, I can only but, imagine there's like the sense of validation when you hear that and you're like at peace finally. You know? That's a nice word to use. It was validation yeah. because, you know, I had the experience and what it was going on out there at the moment. And I was like, well, I wonder if I'm just imagining some of that. 
And then it's repeated, you know, in a hypnosis that was done 13 years later, mm -hmm. uh, 93 and uh, 94, I think it was, somewhere around there. I'm getting older. I'm glad I got a book out now. <laughs> I know. I'm glad I got a book out now. I want to make sure I had everything down there. I, the good thing is I had, uh, I kept uh, journals all the while I was in the Air Force, including the four years at Bentwater, so that helped. That's where some of the detail comes from, from meetings and mm -hmm. Uh, with Colonel Halt, he was there four years with me too. Uh, the other thing is the promotion. I got to work in plans, security police plans and programs. I used my top secret clearance. I was under their visual eye. Uh, I got to work with all the wing commanders, uh, uh, the colonels on the base and the base security. I wrote defense plans. I did all that stuff. That's cool. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's why it's easy to, uh, when it starts, uh, like one of the things they said, well, there was tunnels underground facilities at that one. I go, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, these people are making this stuff up. Right. They, had, they all had low-level clearances, and most of them were troubled airmen. Yeah. But I mean, it sounded they, they had, good. Yeah. yeah, they had bad <laughs> performance reports and everything else. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, like I said, uh, in the security police squad, there's only eight of us with a top-secret clearance, and I was one of them. And it just happened that, uh, you know, by having that, um, uh, things were shared with me, you know, afterwards, and, you know, and I, I just got kept records of it. So if I was having nice. a meeting, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, yeah, you, the Air Force, you always CYA. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. My job, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got to. Yep. It's just it's survival. But also it made me look good if we were going to have a base security council meeting. And I kept really good notes. Uh, you know, that's where you have 26 colonels sit around, including mm -hmm. the wind and come uh, commander, and they go over the base defense for the bases and that. Uh, what I would do is I do a prior briefing for the following year with the wing commander. And I says, yeah, the colonel from the DCM for maintenance said this. I gave him a cheat sheet of the stuff they mm -hmm. said at mm -hmm. the meeting that they were gonna do. And, the, and Colonel Williams, General Williams, he go, hey, thanks a lot. I said, you're going to look really good. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. Awesome. They, they could not figure out how Colonel Williams remembered something from a year ago at a meeting. He yeah, said, that's weren't fantastic. Weren't you going to do this or weren't you going to do that? <laughs> yeah. So you got to make your boss look good. You do. You do. <laughs> Every day. I try. <laughs> yeah, you try. I try so hard. Well, Jim, we're at the end of our show. Really do appreciate you joining us once again. Um, I know Quarantine Ghost has been putting the link to your book in the chat. We also have it down in the description of the YouTube live stream here. But can you go ahead and let everybody know where you can find the Rendlesham Enigma? You can find it at Amazon.com. You can get it uh, in a Kindle version or the paperback. Or if you have uh, Kindle Unlimited, it's free. Free on Unlimited. There you go. All right, Jim. Thank you once again for joining us. This has been absolutely fascinating, and we are mm -hmm. uh, very thankful that you were, uh, decided to come back and join us. It was thank so nice to meet you. <laughs> well, thank you for asking, Mike, and uh, I appreciate it too, Victoria. Thanks. Absolutely. I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am. I'm a big fan of Jim's. Oh, he's absolutely fantastic. So. <laughs> he is. <laughs> All of us. Yeah, Jim, you have a great one. Have a good night. Thanks again. Have a good night. Good night.